gotta be good. If I get thrown out, I'll go live with my mom. Mama, get off the mother! To the Real Estate and Chill Podcast. The newest and coolest podcast. So tune in. Two experts discussing the real estate market. Loan Officer James Chudley and Associate Real Estate Broker Kevin Iglesias. Beware, this is not another boring podcast. This right here is the shit you need to hear, respectfully. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the newest episode of the Real Estate and Chill Podcast. I'm your host, James Schneider from United Mortgage here with... Kevin Iglesias, Associate Broker. Today in the building, as always, it's a million dollar episode. Finally, we get to sit down with Amit Jera. He's a real estate investor, real estate developer, partner... In neighbor realty, allow him to introduce himself. Uh, yeah. I don't want to die for them to miss me. Yes, I uh, My name is Nick Guerra. I am 34 years old and I am a developer, investor, and owner in neighbor realty. Uh, it's a brokerage. We also have a development arm. We're working on a design arm. So, trying to be a full service uh, company. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming, man. It's been a long time. Thank you for having me. It's been a while. It's been long overdue. We were planning this from like November and then like our schedule just never coordinated. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. No, I'm happy you're finally here. Um, Last time we saw you was at the, uh, what do you call it? The charity basketball game. It was. Yep. I was there on the sidelines. I was supposed to be playing and I ended up injuring myself the day of. And so, (laughs) you know, we were talking smack the entire time up there and then I didn't get a chance to play. I was really upset, but maybe this year I'll get a chance to since I got this guy was calling me all the way in like France or Paris. He's like in Italy. I'm like, I'm so honored. I'm just thinking of me (laughs) in Europe. (laughs) We're going to run it back for, for round two. But look. Uh, give us a little background of who you are. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, I've been an investor, uh, developer for about, it's actually been a little bit over four years now. I bought my first fix and flip house, Valentine's Day, 2018. I'll never forget that date. Um, prior to that, I was in law school. I was planning on being a lawyer, um, got super burnt out. And so I, I dropped out of law school, moved back home with my parents, worked in the family business for a couple of years. And then after that, you know, I, I decided got a little bit of money saved up. I'm going to buy my first fix and flip house. And I never looked back after that. I got like 32 projects completed under my belt in the last four years. Nice. I have six I'm doing right now, four more in the pipeline coming in in the next two months. So wow. I'm full, you know, full into this now. What made you leave uh, law school? Because I feel like that's, you say burnout, real estate. I feel, yeah. sometimes I feel burnt down. It's, it's So, I mean, there was a lot going on in my life. Um, I was living in New Jersey at the time. I was married then, um, you know, was going through a divorce. Um, I was going to school during the, or sorry, going to school at night, working during the day. So, I mean, talk about, you know, the time that I had in between. I was just studying for school. And I, I didn't, I couldn't see myself doing it anymore. I always thought I wanted to be a lawyer, you know, as, as far back as I can remember. Um, my parents told me that when I was younger, I used to follow the OJ case and I would like sit around and like, re- like read the paper and be like, well, I, I trying to figure out if, you know, if he did it, if he didn't do it crazy. Um, before you go on, did you, do you yeah, think, do you he, think did he did it, it or he didn't do it? I think he did it. I think he did it. I think he had a really the good glove. Didn't fit. The cl- <laughs> Listen, he manipulated the glove. It could have fit. hundred percent. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, you. I object. Yo, the freezing, Continue. unfreezing, freezing again. No, he did it. hundred <laughs> percent. So go on. You're yeah, watching so the OJ case. Watching the OJ case as a kid. And you know, my, you know, I'm, I'm, I love to argue. I'm like super logical about stuff like that. So my mom was like, he's going to be a lawyer. And I always thought I wanted to be. Um, and so, yeah, I was two years into law school. I was working for a firm during the day, had a guaranteed job on graduation, but I was totally burnt out. Couldn't do it anymore. Want, you know, I sold my house, I going through a divorce. And then after that, I moved back home, uh, joined the family business for a couple of years and then had a little bit of money saved up. And I decided to buy my first fix and flip house and, you know, never looked back after that. Wow. 
And you're doing like a lot of big projects right now. Yeah. Like yeah. I always see it. So if you don't follow this man on Instagram. You <laughs> have to. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I started doing some rehab. So my first house that I bought was in Shirley. I, I think I got it for like $140,000. Oh my gosh. I wish. Uh, yeah. Those right. Prices are yeah. like non-existent no more. <laughs> I bought a house in Hicksville right after that. I think I got that for like $200,000. Really? Oh my gosh. Wait, wait, wait. Money. What was this? When, when did you? Oh, 2018? This was 2018. Yeah. So that, yeah. So it's not was, even that long ago. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. No, 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 numbers are part. totally crazy now. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I was doing like smaller fix and flips here and there. And then I, I got into a couple more and, and now I'm doing new, new construction builds. So I've got Got one in Jericho, got another one in Hicksville, picking one up in Beth Page. Um, and I've met a lot of really cool people along the way. You know, Charles, uh, handsome homebuyer, uh, Luis Monge. Did I say that right? Did yes. That right? yes. Right. This guy always yeah. mispronounces his name. <laughs> yeah, I always do. Uh, John McSherry, uh, who's a very close friend. He's, uh, you know, one of my top choices when it comes to... Uh, listing a, a house that I'm doing. He's been a partner a couple projects. We're building a uh, eight unit luxury condo development in Crown Heights now. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, so literally that. like that's dropping amazing. the existing two family house. And we're going to build a huge uh, condo building, which you know we're planning on selling out for six million dollars when it's all wow. said and done. That's going to be a two year project. Wow. Let me ask you a question though. With inflation being like at its highest, yeah. Are you guys that that property you're doing now? It, so there's a property already existing on that property. Correct. Uh, like land-wise, material, everything has gone up. Like. Yeah. So so project like that is a little bit different because we also did our numbers in case the market falls off and people can't afford the condos based on what we want to sell at, that we can still still go the rental opportunity and gotcha. we'll still be able to build it out, you know, at roughly the same cost. The finishes will be a bit different. We'll assess that as we get closer based on what the market is. And then we can always just, you know, rent the, the units out, refi, and then we'll keep it as a rental yeah, because two years from now, it's like a completely different market. Like yeah. we were just saying, yeah. 2018, 140 and surely, pff, I wish. Yeah, right. Yeah. So so we're, we're focusing on that. I mean, we got the property to steal, which is really, really nice. So we've got our numbers there. We're working through the plans now. So, you know, that'll be a really good project. Uh, super stressful, but really cool project when we get a chance Sounds to stressful. do. So Valentine's Day changed your life forever. Correct. Yeah. Valentine's do you, Day. Do you like celebrate on that day? Or I do. Well, obviously I with do. your significant you, other. But yeah. No. Well, she, anything for yourself. She knows that that that, that day takes precedence over, uh, over Valentine's Day. <laughs> She's not upset about it, which is really good. Cool. I mean, it's not your day. It's my day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I mean, listen. Every year I look back and I get to see how many projects I've done over the years past. You know. You know what I've what I've what I've been able to do. What mistakes I've made. So I really get a chance to reflect on that, which is really really nice. Um, and then, you know, focus on how I'm going to improve year over year till the next Valentine's Day. What, how'd you find that first flip for people listening that want to find so, that first So flip? that first flip, actually, uh, oddly enough, my, my parents were getting their house repainted and uh, I was talking to the contractor that was, that was working on the house and he was talking about how he wants to get into like fix and flips and he had actually found this property in Shirley, but he doesn't have the money to do it. And I had a little bit of money saved up and I was like, you know what? I got, I'm not putting it to use anywhere else. It's sitting in the bank. Why don't we do this together? So, uh, I put the money up. You know, we secured the contract. We got a hard money loan for the difference and for the construction on the back end. And then he, you know, he did the work and then we were going to be partners 50-50. So, so that first project went really well. Uh, and the next one we did Hicksville together. That went pretty well as well. And then on the third one that we did was also in Hicksville. Ended up finding out that that contractor was actually, um, he was buying materials for other jobs uh, on the project. Oh, no. I caught him doing it. And then on top of that, I ended up finding out that he also wasn't paying his laborers. Um, he kept telling them that he was going to pay them and that it was going to be paid at closing. And then he just wasn't, he hadn't paid them on the last two jobs. So Man, nice. I made right by the laborers. I, I, you know, I confronted him about, you know, what he was doing as far as the materials go. 
Um, and then at that point, um, the, his his employees that were working for him all, you know, collectively basically came up to me and were like, we want to work for you. You know, we see that you're doing these projects. We see that you're running around doing a lot of the numbers. So we want to work for you. And, and at that point, I essentially had like a construction crew that was underneath me. And so for the next couple of projects, I continued to do that with these, with these group of guys. And I had other subs that were coming in. Um, and so, you know, I did that as much as I could. But at a certain point, uh, it's just not sustainable for me, at least. You know, the number of projects I was doing, uh, it was a lot of headache, a lot of running around. And then you've got payroll, you've got insurances. I couldn't do it anymore. So then I decided to just go the route of, of, of subcontractors. Uh, so I essentially became an investor at that point where now my sole, you know, project or my sole uh, goal is to find the project, to get the money together, to crunch the numbers. And then I have trusted subs that I work with that will, uh, they'll do the project and I just see it from start to finish. Any projects that you've done that have completely like backfired? Oh yeah. Um, I did a project in Smithtown in 2019 and let me tell you everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Right. I mean, I bought this project. It was kind of sight unseen. I thought I knew what to expect. Closed on it. We started doing demo the next day and uh, we go to the bathroom. That's where we started demo. And as soon as we take all the, the sheetrock and everything down, uh, we saw that the studs were, were spongy. Like I could squeeze them and water was coming oh, out of it. That's and, nice. and at that point I was like, we got to take everything down and replace everything. Um, I tried to be a little smart about it, but I got caught. So I got to stop work order on top of that. So that cost me some time. Um, three days into buying the house, the roof on the um, detached garage caved in on itself. And so at that point, because I'd already got a stop work order after that, the town required that I demolish the existing garage and then rebuild it in entirety. So I had to pour a new foundation for the garage. I mean, you name it, right? Wow. So it's not cheap. No, it's not. And then this also happened. And then COVID happened, coincided right around the same time. So in March, so we got shut down. I lost four months on that. And then by the time we got back on board and I was finishing the house out, the market just hadn't right picked up yet. And so I ended up taking about a $70,000 loss on that single project Damn. after everything. Yeah. So that was, I mean, listen, I learned a lot of really, really good things on that project. So was it expensive? Yes. I made sure I paid all my investors back, you know, because for me, that reputation means, you know, more than anything else. Yeah. Um, but I, I learned a lot. So, right. I mean, I would much rather lose that. I'd much rather not lose anything, but if I was going to lose, I'd much rather lose on that one big house, have a bunch of experience on that and then know what to expect and what not to do in any project moving forward. I'm glad you share that, though, because online there's a lot of gurus, right? Investment yeah. gurus who don't talk about their losses. They only talk about their wins. Right. Yeah. yeah. Never discuss how much money they've lost. Or oh, yeah. It's an expensive lesson, but I'm sure you learned a lot. Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, that's one thing that you got to realize about social media, right? It's a highlight reel. Yeah. Right? People, 100%. they're only going to post their wins. There's very few people that post their losses, but I think it's so important because at the end of the day, you have a lot of people that follow you that, you know, want to do what you want to do, but they don't know the struggles that, that it takes, the risk that's involved, the sleepless nights, I mean, I get phone calls from investors all the time that want to know when they're getting paid their loan back. You know, you've got uh, job sites where things go wrong and it's just like, you know, you got to deal with it. Right. But but if you don't tell it's my responsibility, if I've got a if I've got a following on Instagram to let people know that, like, it's not all fun and games. Right. These are the risks and learn from me. Right. Like I've made all these mistakes. Learn from the mistakes that I've made so you don't make those mistakes. And if you've got questions, ask me. Right. Like I'm always more than happy to help answer questions. Cause for me, I think it's, it's super important that whether I have 10 followers or 10,000 that, you know, I'm, I'm honest with everybody that I, I interact with. You brought, you, you brought up before, like, um, using the hard money to, for the rest of the money and for the renovation. Right. A lot of people, I mean, it's all different 
you know, when you speak to different investors, some say, you know, finance that money with the hard money, the yeah. renovation. Some would say, no, if you have the money, just use it yourself. Right. What, what do you think is a better option? So, so you have to know your numbers, right? I mean, for me, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy. I always have been. I was always really good at math growing up as a kid. So like I always pay attention to the numbers. Um, you've got to know your construction numbers down pat. You've got to know your purchase numbers down pat. But you also have to consider the other things, right? Like if you're going to get a hard money loan, there's going to be points involved. You're going to have your mortgage recording taxes. You're going to have your, your legal fees, your lender fees on both ends. Some lenders even charge an exit fee. You have to know all those numbers. Right. And then on top of that, you got to consider, hey, if I'm getting a construction loan while I'm having the work done and I've got a sub or I got to pay for materials, how am I bridging that in between? Right. Like, do I have the money to cover that bridge loan? Am I paying for things on credit cards? What if I got to be able to pay my credit card on time and my inspector is taking longer than usual on the draw inspection, get the money back? Like, how am I going to float all those things? Because if you don't and you're putting stuff on credit cards, you might ruin your credit just trying to, to fix the house. So you have to know all those things really well. And as long as you do and your numbers make sense and you see a tidy profit for yourself and you've considered contingencies and all those things, um, you know, you're good to do the deal. All that being said, you can sit behind a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet all day. But if you don't have the willingness to go ahead and pull the trigger, like it's just going to be, you're just going to be sitting there and crunching numbers and passing on every deal because you don't think it's enough. Don't be afraid of the losses. You know, make sure you mitigate the losses as much as you can. But every loss is still a learning experience. You always have to frame it that way. So as long as you do that, as long as you're paying attention to your numbers, uh, you've got trusted people that you're working with, you know, just remember that you're working with a team that you've got to rely on people. You cannot do this by yourself. Even if you're a sole investor, you have subcontractors that you rely on. You've got lenders that you rely on. You've got agents that you rely on. Like it is a team sport. And so you've got to find solace in knowing that you've got a good team around you and you know your numbers well enough to be able to do this project. It's a million dollar advice. It's, yeah, you know, is, I'm, I'm just absorbing everything you're saying right now because million like, dollar advice. And it's all stuff that I, I learned on the fly, right? Like I didn't know any of these things. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody that like I asked these questions. I learned all these things while doing these projects. So I, I wouldn't have known it otherwise. Um, and like now I get to impart a lot of this knowledge that I've learned over the last couple of years. Yeah. I hope our audience and listeners are taking notes. Those six deals that you have now, what are the best ways to find deals? A lot of people say drawing for dollars. Yeah. Um, what's the best way to find deals now off market? Cause so I, I drive for dollars, right? Cause I'm, I'm on the road a lot of the time. I live in Brooklyn, so I've got projects that I'm doing in Queens. I got projects I'm doing in Brooklyn. I got projects I'm doing on Long Island. I'm on the road all day, right? So if I'm driving around and I see a project, uh, or like, um, uh, an abandoned house or a house that needs a lot of work. Um, if I can't get a hold of the homeowner myself, uh, I've got a couple of wholesalers that I work with now. So I'll just send them the information. They'll scrub all the, the leads for me. Uh, and then if they can get, you know, if they can do all the back end work and then end up getting me the deal, we, you know, we have an arrangement amongst one another. Other than that, I've got other wholesalers that I work with. I have agents now that, that I work with that if they've got, you know, a homeowner that's got a, a house that, that needs a lot of work, uh, they'll send it out to me because they know I can close quick. I mean, I, I can close on a deal at this point within 24 hours, if not sooner. I usually have the money, wow. you know, ready to go. I've got lenders that can, that can lend on the fly because it's based on my reputation at this point, Right. So, you know, for me, I'm, I'm always accessing my network as much as I can, whether it's driving for dollars or they're working with wholesalers, working with uh, lenders that, that know of deals, working with other agents. I, I mean, you've got you've to access your network as much as possible. It's not just one thing that you're going to do. It's as many things as possible. I'm a little dumbfounded. Yo, 24 <laughs> hours, closing in 24 hours. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's Listen, it, it takes a lot of back-end work, right? Because, like, 
appraisals got to happen. In some cases, if the numbers really just make sense, you know, sometimes I'll have lenders that will just lend on the money. I've got private investors that I work with, so they'll just put the money up and I'll, I'll give them equity stake. I'll record mortgage on it. You know, I've got promissory notes that I'll put out because at the end of the day, I'm the one responsible for their money, right? So right. they've got to know that I've had enough experience at this point. They know my reputation that I'm, no matter what, I'm going to pay their money back. Even if I got to dig in my own pockets and take a loss, God forbid, you know, that, that I'll make sure that they're whole. So, so that really goes a long way. Let's, um, can we rewind time just for a second? Yeah. 2018, you were how old? I was, oh damn, how old was I? I was 26. 26. 28, sorry, 28. 28, okay. Because a lot of people think, like, if I don't get started now and I'm 22 or 23, it's too late. Or, oh, no, not at all. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes on online, like, you, you got to start young, you got to do this now. Like, a lot of people start late. late yeah, again. listen, I was, I went to Drexel University for college, right? So, 2018, I thought I was going to join the family business, my, um, my dad, my parents are immigrants, right? So my, my dad started a uh, perfume company, a wholesale company. Before that, he used to work on Broadway where he would literally, you know, he would hawk like colognes on the side of, side of the street. He came to the U.S. with $7 in his pocket. And, and, you know, he started from there. Then he had his first store and then his second store. And then after that, he got into wholesale on Long Island. And now he strictly does wholesale. Uh, we've expanded out since then. But, like, I've got an entrepreneur's mindset because I've seen my parents, like, work tirelessly. I mean, my, my dad's... He doesn't, you know, he gets upset if we buy him anything for Father's Day because he's always like, I'm not working for me, I'm working for you, right, at the end of the day. So, like, he doesn't like for him to, you know, to, to have money spent on him. Um, my mom's the same way. If you guys are familiar with uh, Baseball Heaven, based out of Yapank. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. My mom started that. Oh, so wow. she, like, literally, you know, they bought the plot of land, she started it, they built it up, and then she ended up selling it in 2012. I used to work my summers over there. And I always thought like I was going to be an entrepreneur in some sort. I thought I was going to join the family business. I was going to do the perfumes for a little bit. And I did. Um, I just didn't fall in love with it. And so, you know, when I graduated Drexel uh, senior year, uh, this was 2011 that I graduated from Drexel, uh, which also a crazy story. That year, the reason I wanted to be a lawyer was I got arrested that year, my senior year, for a crime I didn't commit. And, uh, oh gosh. I, yeah. Right. So I, um, I mean, I'll, I'll make it short, but essentially I was wrong place, wrong time. Uh, somebody got into a fight with a cab driver, the guy that got into a fight with the cab driver ran off the scene and I'm the one that called the cops to make sure no one got hurt. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you call the cops, you got arrested. I called the cops, <laughs> the cops showed up and the cab driver told the cab driver told the cops that I'm the one that beat him up because he was afraid for his job. He thought he was going to get in trouble somehow because he was also involved in the fight. Uh, so the cops ended up arresting me. I spent like 30-something hours in a West Philly jail cell because it was over the weekend. It was a Friday night. Uh, Monday morning, uh, I get charged with five counts of like various felonies, including felony assault, aggravated assault. Cab driver told the cops that I had a knife on me and that I attempted to stab him. So like, oh my God. Yeah. Trying to help the guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so the next six months um, I spent, um, you know, I had to hire a defense attorney um, my trial date was set for the day before graduation. So I wasn't even sure if I was going to make the graduation or not. Wow, that's nuts. Um, and the only thing that saved me was it happened on Drexel's campus. I wore new sneakers that night. And so you could still see the white soles of my sneakers. And so when Drexel finally gave, uh, my attorney, a, a copy of the, uh, surveillance footage, you could see that I was on the sidelines because I had those sneakers on and I brought them to trial. That's the white wow. sneakers. You had white sneakers on. Yeah, that's the only thing that saved well, me. What, what white sneakers? You got to frame those. Oh, I still have them. Oh, I definitely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's the only thing that saved. Otherwise, I was I was facing something like uh, twenty years in, in oh my gosh. Um, the DA even said to me on top of that, that you know, like, hey, listen, 
if you're, uh, or he said to my attorney, if your client admits, uh, you know, that he did it, we'll, uh, you know, we'll only give him seven years, but he's still got to do the seven years in prison. I was like, I'm not doing, I didn't do it. I didn't do this crime. I'm not, I'm not going to prison for it. Um, so I had to roll the dice. And uh, after that, you know, uh, when I got off after that, I, you know, I told my attorney, I was like, hey, listen, I want to work for you. I want to go into law. Uh, so I ended up uh, working for him for six months. Uh, I didn't really love it. I ended up getting into different forms of law. I did foreclosure law for a little bit. I worked for a firm uh, doing that. Uh, and then after that, I, I ended up, you know, jumping from firm to firm. I did employment law for two years. Uh, and then I got into insurance law. And that was the last one that I did while I was going to school. And by that point, I was just burnt out. I was like, this isn't for me. I don't want to be pushing paper for 30 years. I want like, I want more. I really want to get into the design aspect of things. Um, you know, for me, I love, even when I do a project, if I build a house, um, I love designing. Like that's my favorite thing. I like how you can have a, a client, the right buyer come into a house and you almost get to control their emotions, right? Like <laughs> if you're an agent, right? So like yeah. if you got a buyer that goes into a house and they love that house, they can immediately see them, you know, hosting get togethers with family there. Yeah. Um, you know, they can see, you know, them raising their kids or growing old together in some instances there. That's my favorite part about doing a house. Like I get to design the house. I get to like kind of reframe that, that when I've got a right buyer going to that house, like that's it. Like that's the one they want because they can see their future in that house. So for every project that I do, I like taking that design aspect of it. I usually like to self-design every house that I do. Uh, I want to make sure like the layout is right, that the, the finishes are right, that the fixtures are right, that like every aspect of it is just the way that if I was going to be buying that house, you know, like it's an emotional experience, not just a, a financial one. That's insane, man. That's just that story right there. Is yeah. like, I bet you were in that cell like, I should have kicked him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in here anyway. <laughs> I can just imagine the emotions that were just going through for those oh, man. six months. Like, well, you know, go ahead. I just want to say, being in that situation and being behind bars for 40 hours, right? Yeah. Your appreciation of freedom and life is, is different after that. The first thing I did when I got out of there, my dad picked me up and I was like, I want to go to McDonald's. Like the first thing I did <laughs> was just like a burger and like really good fries. Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> extra sauce, extra secret sauce. And my mom, like the funniest thing is like the entire, when I was, you know, before I was going to college, my parents didn't want me to go away because go up on Long Island. I went to Jericho for undergrad. My parents was like, you know, Jericho. live at home. Right. Yeah. I graduated in 2006. Um, my parents were always like, especially my mom, you know, she was, she was like, you know, live at home, go to school nearby. And I was like, oh, I want to get away. Like, I want the freedom. I want to do, you know, all that. And she's like, you're going to get in trouble. Like I know you are. And I got all the way to senior year <laughs> without getting in trouble. And then I get arrested. And the first thing she says to me after she hugged me and made sure I was okay was, see, I told you, I told you, you shouldn't have gone away to school. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, listen, it was, it was a crazy experience. I mean, it, it's, it's a part of my life now. Um, it's a cool story to tell. Yeah. But, like, I think it really makes me who I am today. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm very curious as to, like, you know, you went from, you went through so many different phases, right? Like, you went, you were attorney, uh, well, law school, and then you're going into development. So, like, how did you learn how to do everything from A to Z? Like, you're talking about so many different things um, about, like, being a developer. Like, how did you learn all those things? I'm the type of person that I just like throwing myself into a project. Um, I... Like, I think my second or third project that I did, we were behind schedule. Um, we already had a buyer at that point, and, you know, they wanted to close on the house, and we just, like, we just weren't, we were we were so behind schedule that I'm, I'm the type of person, I'm like, I'm going to, you know, I'll roll my sleeves up. So I learned how to to, to lay tile. I learned how to, to sand oh, man, that's not and paint easy. walls. Like, I mean, literally, I got the scars to prove it. I, there was a sander that jumped off a wall and, like, took my knuckle off. 
But for me, I'm like, I'm the type of person where I'm just like, throw me in. Like, I'll figure it out. And I've always been that type of way. So anything that I do, I just like to kind of learn from, you know, from the mistakes that I make and kind of figure out how to fine tune those and make sure they don't, they don't happen again. So, I mean, whether it was, you know, going into law school and like, you know, I'm, I don't love learning from a book. I'm much rather like hands-on, which is why I wanted to work while I was going to school. Um, I was a DJ in college and I learned off. <laughs> I've, I've done yeah, what was your DJ name? What was your DJ name? <laughs> I, I wasn't clever enough for a good DJ name. So I just used my, I used my own name. Uh, you know, honestly. Um, but yeah, like I, I learned how to DJ off of YouTube videos. I, I, I bought the turntables and I was like, I'll figure it out. And I just watched YouTube videos and I figured it out. And I was DJing like my, my, uh, college parties for my fraternity. And then I ended up like doing a couple like small shows on campus. So like anything that I do, I'm always the type of person. I was like, just throw me into it. I'll figure it out. Could have been the next DJ Khaled, man. I know. <laughs> I was so close. <laughs> Going back to the investing side of it. Um, so you, you, you run the numbers, you crunch the numbers really well. Yep. How do you prepare? Because it happens and I'm sure it's going to start to happen probably now more that the rates are going up with deals dying mid uh, contract. Cause that, I, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it happen. Right. So, I mean, I guess I'm at a point now where like, I really don't touch a deal unless I've got like a pretty significant profit in place. So I, I can have a good contingency on that. Um, I mean, I guess aside from that, it's really, I guess one of the mistakes that I've made, even though like with the design aspect of thing is sometimes at least in the past um, I've designed projects where I've probably spent a little bit too much money on that. Uh, and I've had to have people like check me, whether it was a contractor or like an agent or just a friend that I had like walking through the site um, so, but I guess always just having a contingency number in place for the budget that you do, you know, making sure that you have your projected ARV, what you think you're going to sell it for, but like, you know, scale it back, you know, five to 10% even, because you don't know which way the market's going to turn. Um, and then have an exit out plan, right? Whether it's going to be, Hey, listen, you might have to refi it out and rent it out for a couple of years and you're not going to make all the money back, but at least you won't be bleeding cash, right? Like having, having that as an opportunity. Um, I mean, it, you really, we, I don't, we don't really know where the market's going to go. We're seeing rates rising. Uh, we're seeing a lot of these buyers that, you know, that used to be able to have three and a half and 5%. They're just really being priced out, especially in Long Island. They're not able yeah. to afford the houses anymore. I mean, it's a fact at this point, right? So for me, I'm focusing on larger projects where, you know, it's, it's over a million dollars where typically the buyer that I have, they're going to have 20 to 25% down payment on it. So, you know, the, the whole idea of, you know, the buyers that I'm, I'm working with or, you know, on the projects that I'm working on, um, it's not really an issue as much. Um, but even for some of the, like the, the, the smaller projects that I do where the, the, the price is sub, let's say $700,000, just having, you know, the right contingency in place and knowing your numbers really well so that you've got ample room. You're not going to make, you know, you're not going to make crazy money on every project, especially now. Like, you know, the last year and a half has been a crazy bull run. Um, I don't see that continuing maybe through a little bit more through the end of this year. But beyond that, you just, you're not going to make money on every single project, and that's okay, right? Like, it's okay to not listen to the gurus that are going to be on, on on Instagram or whatever else and telling you, like, you know, you can make $100,000 on this flip. It might be like five or $6,000 on that flip, right? Like, it's not going to be a crazy amount. You, you might not be happy because of the amount of time and effort that you put into a project, but that's okay. You also have to consider, like, all the subs that, that worked with, you got a chance to put, you know, food on their table because they got a chance for work to use. Like, even though you're not bringing that money home, you still made an impact. Right. And that's OK. And you can turn that into the next project that you do. And now, you know, like, hey, maybe I bought that last house for a little bit too expensive or maybe my renovations were a little bit too much. 
use that as an experience and a learning tool to, to be able to do the next one. If you want to do another project to know that, Hey, I, I got to buy a little bit cheaper or maybe I got to use a different material or, you know, maybe I did too much on something. Maybe I don't need a dual sync vanity in the master. I can, I can get away with a single and that's going to be a little bit less. Like every penny counts. Know your numbers. Oh, you just leave me speechless. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, honestly, like, I think that that's a very common thing that I've heard, like for, um, you know, a lot of big developers that we've seen on Long Island, like you right. included, like everyone who cares about the people that they work with is always successful. Like, I think that's a common thing that, like, developers have, like, successful developers have, right. obviously. So I think that's a that's a great aspect of it. Um, and real quick question on that. So when you were, like, you started from your first flip, right? Yep. Then you went on to do more and more and more. Do you plan on continuing to do flips, or are you looking to have, like, a rental portfolio for yourself? So the end goal, actually, for me is I, I want to start focusing on, like, more of the luxury builds, getting away from the flips. Um I want to do the luxury builds, but like the end goal actually is I want to get into building uh, buildings like um, what I'm, we're doing in Crown Heights. And then I want to get into designing hotels. Oh, okay. Um, really? wow. For me, like that's, that's the end all be all. I, I love, you know, going back to the design aspect of it. I like going into a hotel or a restaurant or some kind of space. And, you know, you get a chance to really appreciate the designer that, that took the time to pick out every single aspect of that, whether it's the, the, the lighting fixtures or the flooring or the decor and how it's supposed to like evoke some sort of emotion and you really get a chance to experience it. Like going to a hotel, you know, in some cases is not just about the room. It's about the lobby and how you feel and how welcome you feel the moment you go into it. Right. And so like for me, I want to be able to build hotels one day and, and be able to take all those experiences and, and build like a, a hotel portfolio where, you get a chance to, to, you know, have like a beautiful lobby where people want to take pictures there because they, they, they love the way it looks. And, um, and it becomes like a full experience where they don't want to leave the hotel or the resort or, or whatever it is that I build at that point. So for me, I want to get into the, those higher end and those larger, you know, larger uh, projects. That's amazing. That's like, that's the first that uh, we've heard that. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited for that part of my future, you know, you, whenever it comes. You do a lot of traveling and I feel like every time that uh, I watch your Instagram stories, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you're a food critic too because you do a lot of eating out, a lot of fancy spots. A lot of pictures you post like food is like this small. I'm like, nah, I know he's still hungry. I know he's still hungry. <laughs> that's, a, that's a behind the scenes where we go to Taco Bell right after. Like, not, yeah, that didn't satisfy This is for the gram? Yeah. This is for me. Oh, uh, now I want Taco Bell. Like, oh, did you get the Mexican pizza yet? No, I did not. Come I got the toasted cheddar chalupa. Uh, I got it like three times already. I don't need to like five days. <sighs> All right. I don't need enough. fast food. But going back, um, with the recession that's so cold coming, right? With inflation being at high, isn't this wouldn't that be the best time? Even though, yes, it would be unfortunate to go through a recession, everybody, but there's always opportunities always. out yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, look at every big investor, you know, uh, and, you know, we can talk about the Warren Buffetts or, or, or really anybody else. Um, most of the time, and it's actually the same thing that happened at the start of COVID, right? Like there's so many people that got scared and they pulled their houses off the market or they pulled back. And that was the best time to buy, right? Because as soon as that market opened up, what did we see? It went through the yeah, roof. Yeah, it went crazy. It's going to be the same thing with the recession. Like, yes, make sure that you have enough money saved up for your family that you can get through that recession. But time and time again, you know, throughout history, we've seen that, it's an ebb and flow, right? Like it's going to be a wave. It's going to happen. We can expect it. It may turn back in three months. It may turn back in 36 months. Make sure that, you know, you're safe at home. Make sure that you've got enough money saved up 
that God forbid, if you know, if you're working a nine to five, that if you lose your job, that you have enough of a savings to be able to outlast that. Um, but you know, don't forget that it's a prime opportunity because there's a lot of the people that are thinking the same way where they're, they're like, oh, I'm really afraid I'm going to pull back. And now you've got like this plethora that other people are not competing on. A lot and of millionaires so, are made in. Right. Recessions. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you just be have to be willing. Fearful. Yep. You gotta, you gotta be able to take that risk. You gotta be able to jump at the end of the day. That's really what matters. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like I think that in the next couple of months, like going off of what you said, I think that if there's people who are looking to jump into a space, I mean, I don't think it's a bad time to start, you know, no, like, no, not at all. I think it's a good time to just like, well, first things first, learn yeah. from whoever you can. And then jumping into the space. I mean, inflation being at 8.3%, the May report, no, what do you call it? The May report's not out yet. No, not yet. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're seeing high inflation numbers. Real estate's obviously the safest asset that you can invest in. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't even think that's, I don't even think that's an opinion anymore. Like it's just, you know, we've seen time and time again. Right. Um, but I think it's a good time to get in and there's so many different aspects of it that, you know, you touch on a few of them, not even just one. Um, so, you know, it's a good time to jump in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, listen, we, through this network on Long Island, we've met a lot of great people, right? Even at the charity basketball event and then other events that I've gone to, I mean, there is, there are so many people that like, if you have questions, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Right. Like even for me, I'll tell you, you know, when I met John McSherry, I was looking for a new agent at the time and it was like my fourth or fifth project. And, and I was so afraid because I saw his, like his, his, his social media presence. And I was like, I need an agent, but like, this guy's way too big time for me. That, like, <laughs> I don't even like, I don't even think like, I'll, even if I reach out to him, he's gonna be like, nah, like you're too small, you know, for me or whatever. I literally, like I DM'd him on Instagram and I tell you within 15 minutes of me DMing him, he was at the house that I wanted him to sell. And like, from there we never looked back. So, I mean, that just kind of goes to show you that like, don't be afraid. To, to ask for help. Don't be afraid to reach out to other people that are in the space. You never know what kind of experience and like what kind of knowledge they have or like even what connections they have that they could help you out with. You just have to be willing to ask. Yeah. I don't believe in the mindset of, you know, being afraid to ask for help or like holding your connections and your subs and whatever else, you know, to your chest. Like I think it's more important to be able to share because you never know how that'll pay you back in dividends. And whether it does or it doesn't, it doesn't matter. At least you made an impact in somebody else that really wants to do better for themselves or for their family or like for their community. And, and that's a great way of looking at real estate, right? Like every house that's abandoned or run down, you're affecting the community when you fix it up because yeah. now you're raising other people's property values that live in the area. They're sick and tired of looking at the eyesore. Like, you know, you have, you're going to have the neighbors here and there that are just going to be disgruntled no matter what, because like they don't want somebody doing work on the house. Cause it's like, you know, it's, it's disturbing them from the noise or whatever. But most of the time it's really just people that just want to see their community get better. The, the neighborhoods that they live in get better. And so even if, you know, e even if you're, you're not making money on something or you're making very little, you're still making an impact. And I think that's super important to remember. I couldn't agree more. So before we leave off, any any final gestures or any final notes that you want to give to anybody watching? Um, I mean, listen, I, I think, uh, you know, the one of the main things, like I said before, is, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help, you know, but you got to be willing to jump. Um, if you have any questions to ask me, you know, my social media handles, Amit X Gera, that's A-M-I-T-X-G-E-R-A. -E you can find me. I'm not on TikTok. I got to get on that. Uh, I'm <laughs> Come on, on. You got to dance uh, at the <laughs> At these new builds. <laughs> uh, you, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. If you want to, you know, do a ride with me on Peloton, I, I got the same social media handle on that as well. <laughs> Whatever you want. But yeah, listen, feel free to reach out to me. If you're an investor, um, I get a lot of deals that I pass on, so I'm happy to, to pass them on to other investors. Feel free to DM me there. 
Uh, if you're an agent that wants to work with me, if you're a lender that wants to work with me, please reach out. I'm always happy to meet new people and see if we can do business together. And even if we can't, you know, you never know, maybe you can help me out somewhere. I can help you out somewhere, meet you, you know, introduce you to somebody else. Awesome. That's amazing. All right. Well, thank you, Amit. It was the latest episode of Real Estate and Show podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Thank you for tuning in to the Real Estate and Chill podcast with James Chantry and Kevin Iglesias. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Also, share this with your friends, your enemies, your mother-in-law. No, seriously, this podcast is so fucking good. You might want to tell your ex. See you next time.